And welcome once again to Mets at the Movies, the podcast that talks about movies from celluloid to digital and everything in between. On today's 10th episode, we are going to be doing Ghost. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to double digits, not including the bonus episodes. This is the 10th official episode of Mets at the Movies. You've been listening to me now for double digit movies, double digit amount of podcasts. This all started as just a little thing for fun, as a hobby, and the first thing I want to do before I get into this is I want to thank everybody listening to this, anybody who has listened to previous episodes, just everybody that has really supported me when it comes to this Mets at the Movies podcast kind of dream. And to mark the special occasion, I put up a... I put up a, a poll on the Mets at the Movies Twitter account. That's right. I even have my own Twitter account. It's at Mets at the Movies. You can follow me for updates on my podcast. And if I get a big enough following, maybe I'll start to talk a little bit more on it, give my reactions to things. Who knows? Anything can happen. So for the 10th edition of this episode, I wanted to have a little fun and I wanted to try something new and get some feedback from the people who listen to me. So I put up a poll and I gave four options of what movie would you like, four movies that I have not seen and what would you like me to talk about. The four options were Ghost, The Blues Brothers, Badlands, and Gattaca. And as you can tell by the title of this episode, Ghost was the one that beat out the rest. Now Ghost won by a single vote. Ghost was a single vote ahead of every other movie. Now, only one person voted in this poll, so technically it still counts as being one vote ahead of everybody else. So this podcast is for you, one person who voted. Thank you so much. And you know what? I was actually excited to watch this movie anyways because um, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I know of it, but I don't know enough of it because I haven't sat down and fully watched it from beginning to end. And I have to say I really enjoy I really, really like this movie. Uh, I'm a big sucker for rom-coms, well, rom-coms, romantic dramas, anything with a romance subplot into it, I'm kind of a sucker for it, and the fact that this had a kind of thriller twist to it, I was sold on it right off the bat. So first off, Ghost came out in 1990, it was directed by Jerry Zucker. Now, he was one of the Zucker brothers who were famous for making comedy, some of the biggest and most influential comedies in the 70s and 80s. His most notable, his most uh, well-known comedies are Airplane and Top Secret. Now, with the Zucker Brothers and Mel Brooks, those were kind of the the kings of um, satire com- comedy when it comes to movies. You know, Airplane would always riff on natural disaster films, Top Secret was always riffing on James Bond type movies and spy 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 movies. So they were really big in the com- comedy world. So for him to take a chance and to go into something a little more different, I always love when when directors, actors always try something different, try so, something new and see what happens. Now, this movie stars Patrick Swayze, who in my opinion is one of the ultimate male man crushes in the world. I mean, this guy has just done it all. And everything he's in, he gives 110 for it's 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 he gives 110% in everything that he does. And when you're watching him, 
and and you see him smile, you see him act, you believe that he's actually really enjoying his time on this film. And his enjoyment emanates to you, and you start to enjoy his performance as well. It also stars Demi Moore, a younger Demi Moore compared to what... uh, she is today, obviously, but uh, she was. She had at this point. She had already been a pretty big star. She was one of the Brat Pack, which was the I guess teen, the teen, the older teens, young twenty something year old actors in the eighties who were in everything: Saint Elmo's Fire, Breakfast Club, um, all the John Hughes film, films as well. So she had already been a fairly big star up to the up to this point but this was kind of one of the movies that really cemented her as an adult lead actress pulling her out of the sort of younger demographic and allowing older demographics to really see her and enjoy her it also stars Whoopi goldberg who gives a great performance from serious to comedy I'll talk a little bit more about Whoopi Goldberg later because she does something a little bit special compared to everybody else. Uh, it's interesting that this is the movie that put her over the edge um, after she had done movies like The Color Purple, which I haven't seen The Color Pur- Purple yet, but from everything I've heard, a lot of those actors and actresses just basically give it their all. It also stars Tony Goldwyn as well. Now, I'm not too overly familiar with his work, but I do know that uh, a lot of people on television know him because he is one of the lead actors in Scandal. And he's also popped up here or there throughout different movies, TV shows throughout his career. But lately, he's been part of the television show Scandal, which is a huge hit. But there's one name that I want to drop just because he is an actor that you may not know his name but you will know his face. And his name is Vincent Schiavelli. Now, again, you may not know his name, but you know his face. He has been in so many movies as side characters, and he has been amazing in every single one of them. I'm not going to tell you which one, because I want you to go and look up his name and you to look up his credit credentials. So I'm not going to tell you any other movies he is in, but I will tell you that I first really came to know, notice him when I was a kid watching the VHS tapes of Dorf, Dorf on Golf, and Dorf at the Olympics. Now, those were some Tim Conway s- sketches that he put out on, on VHS that my grandparents had. And every time I was over at their house, I used to always watch those tapes. I loved Dorf on Golf. Uh, made me crack up and laugh. So I'm probably one of the only people who would know Dorf, but um, if you see his face, you'll know who he is. And I want everybody to go and look for him because he is a fantastic actor that has put in some tremendous work. Now, this movie, when it came out in 1990, it only had a budget of $22 million, but this was a monster. This movie was just a runaway train that nobody can stop. This movie made over $500 million worldwide. In fact, it was the only movie in 1990 to pass the $500 million mark in worldwide grossing. Other movies in that list of the top grossing movies of all time, Home Alone, Pretty Woman, 
Back to the Future 3, Total Recall, Die Hard 2, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first movie. Some of those are heavy, heavy hitters. I mean, Home Alone itself was just a beast all unto its own as well. I mean, when most people think of one of the best Christmas movies of all time, they think of Home Alone. And the fact that Ghost outdid it is a tremendous feat. I mean, this movie was everywhere, and it and it was unexpected as well. Most people didn't think it would do this much. I mean, on a $22 million budget, you know, maybe uh, $100 million? cool, but $500 million? Oh, my God. Highest grossing movie of 19990 And it wasn't just a hit with fans. Critics really enjoyed it as well. It's It, ha- it ended up getting an average score of 74% on uh, raw, raw t- tomatoes. But the biggest thing was this movie was nominated for five Oscars. Now, this is something that doesn't happen too, too often. Every single year you look... And it rarely happens. And by that, I mean a movie that is nominated for quite a bit of Oscars and one of the highest grossing, if not the highest grossing movie of that year. The only ones that I can come, I can think of right now were Avatar and Titanic that both had a ton of Oscar nominations and was the highest grossing movie of the year. That rarely rarely happens and in today's age i think that almost might never happen again unless lightning in a bottle happens because some of the biggest movies of the year are your blockbuster movies you know your comic book movies your star wars movies things like that are some of your biggest movies of the year your action tentpole franchises fast and the furious and i can tell you i don't think any of those are do, are going to be doing extremely well at the oscars i mean and i'm talking about like some of the major some of the major categories in that not like the t- te- technical awards so the fact that this is one of them the fact that this can be named in the same category as titanic and avatar that's pretty good company now as i said it was nominated for 5 Oscars. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Editing, and Best Score. And it won for Best Original Screenplay, which back then it was screenplay adapt. It was classified as, it was called Screenplay Made for um, the Film. That's what it was. I believe it was called back then. It wasn't considered original screenplay. And it also won Best Supporting Actress for Whoopi Goldberg. Now that I was actually really surprised of because again, looking at some of her earlier roles, especially the color purple, the fact that this was the one that really put her over, not only did she win the Oscar for this, she also won the Golden Globe for this and she also won the BAFTA for this. And those are three of the biggest awards that an actor in film can win. I don't even know if the Screen Actors Guild were doing awards at that point. But the fact that she won the Globe, the Oscar, and the BAFTA is, incre- is incredible. Like, props to Whoopi Goldberg. And you knew she was good because she's won- she's an EGOT winner. And if you don't know what EGOT is, it's somebody who has won an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. It's only happened 12 times, and Whoopi Goldberg is one of them. 
Now, talking about the story, we have Patrick Swayze as Sam Wheat, Demi Moore as Molly Jensen, Whoopi Goldberg as Otome Brown, and Tony Goldwyn as Carl Brunner. Now, Sam and Molly just moved to New York, and they just moved into an apartment building together. It's a real fixer-upper. And Carl's there to kind of help out. Now, that's where the story starts. But it quickly moves out of that. And we and we come to realize that um, Patrick Swayze is a banker and to me more is an artist. And one night, coming home from a performance of Hamlet, unfortunately, Sam's character is shot and killed. And that's when we've, we kind of get the first realization that... Um, Sam is a ghost. That's where he starts to realize that he's a ghost. And that's when we really jump into the whole meat of the story. Now, once he realizes he's a ghost, he kind of spends most of his time in the early parts, just kind of sulking around, trying to figure out what's going on, really just hanging around Molly in a, in kind of a weird, sad, creepy way until one night he find he meets his one night. He, sees his killer trying to break into Molly's house, which is now Molly's house, their house. And he sees this and he follows him back to his place. And we realize that maybe his murder wasn't just a simple mugging. There might've been something more to it. And that's when he starts meeting, he starts walking away and he meets up with Whoopi Goldberg's character, Otome Brown. Now, she plays a psychic who can speak to the dead, and strangely, this is, the f- this is the first time she can actually speak to dead, to the dead. So Sam and Otome kind of work together to communicate with Molly and figure out what is going on with his death. So it's a real kind of, it's a real mixture of different genres. You know, you get, you get the romance in this. You get the thriller in this, and you get the comedy in this as well. And I have to say that Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick Swayze work amazing together. I think the two of them worked better together than Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. Now, obviously, one was dealing with a more comedic role. Another one was dealing with a more romantic role. But I think, basing from what I saw and how I enjoyed it, I felt that the, the interactions between Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick Swayze were so much more enjoyable. I love I loved them. Now, there were parts in this film that the acting wasn't really up to par. There was weird scenes. Like, I'll admit the scene when Patrick Swayze character dies and he kind of sees his body, he has this weird look on his face. He's got a strange look on his face that you were wondering, like, when they were looking back at... at dailies nobody said hey you know what let's let's maybe make a better face because that one's looking a little too weird but after enough time passes in you see these characters really grow into their care characters same with Demi Moore I thought early on I thought early on Demi Moore's character really wasn't giving a lot to it I felt like she was it wasn't the experience that we were hoping for but as the movie grew it's, it's, it's like the characters grew, grew as well. And Demi Moore really pulled into her own when she started dealing with her emotions of losing her boyfriend, um, 
trying to handle this Otome Brown coming into her life and saying, hey, I'm talking to Sam. I know all these things. She's being confused. She plays sad confusion in this movie. Amazing. Like, perfectly. Per- perfectly. You felt like you were actually watching a character feel sadness and confusion at the same time. You you almost forgot that you were watching Jimmy Moore at times. It was it was something that I didn't expect her to do basing off what I saw at the start. Now, as I said, the chemistry between all of the actors and actresses were great. They were the best part of the film. They all worked really well together, which was a really big surprise because Patrick Swayze does movies that when you look at his filmography compared to like Whoopi Goldberg's filmography, they're very different movies. And the fact that these two are able to work together so well really kind of shows how well this movie was created and how well it was done. And what I like about this film as well is it took chances that we have not seen in these romantic ghost story movies before. Now, this movie could have could have gone too far into the cheese, but it was able to hold itself back a lot of times to offer a really good and interesting story. And the fact that they were so blatant, so obvious, so you know what? Here's what happens when you die was a real was a, a great thing to watch because a lot of times when I'm watching these movies, it tends to flutter around the whole scenario of, well, what actually happens when he died? You know, where is he? What are the rules? This one just kind of lays it out to you right when Patrick Swayze dies. You get a couple of interactions with a few people who explain what happens, and then you're off to the races. And it's great because you don't get bogged down with unnecessary questions. Now, I had a few questions, obviously. I'll get to a little bit later. But there were, you, you didn't overthink it which was great. It set out the story. It set out the characters. It set out the world that these characters are in. And then it said, now that we've explained this to you, we're going to move forward with this. It also had some impressive visuals. Now, not all the visuals were great. There were times where you could clearly see that it was a Greek green screen and it felt like a little bit too much. But I have to say where the visuals really picked me up was when Sam's character started first started walking through things. They took the camera and they put it at his view, viewpoint. So when he was walking through like a person, it would show you kind of through their head and what it would look like inside their head with their brain, the blood, the bones, um, anything else in there. And it was really, it was really quite cool. You know, it was something that they didn't have to do because it had nothing to do with the store story at, at all. And if it was done poorly, it could have taken you out. But it was really interesting how how it looked and how they did it. And they did did it again when he walked through a door, and you kind of saw in between the wood. So it only happened twice, but it was really cool because it was something that you didn't see back in in that time. They didn't do that kind of you know, crazy special effects, especially in these big budget 
movies. You may have seen that stuff in the low-budget horror films, but I don't think, as far as I know, you never really saw that in these type of films. Now, as I said earlier, this movie handles comedy, very dark scenes, and romance extremely well, and it blends together in such a way that it proves that people, to me, in comedy, whether they're actors, directors, screenwriters, producers, anybody who is familiar with the comedy genre are able to transition out of it a lot easier, I feel, in my mind. I find it a lot hard. From what I've seen, it feels like it's harder to go from drama to comedy than it is from comedy to drama because it's obviously harder to make somebody laugh. And that's what this movie was was great at, was kind of pulling on your heartstrings enough that you weren't sobbing and crying and then letting it float away to kind of let you breathe and, and relax. It was a lot of fun. But my favorite part of the film, of this film, was the ending. I thought the ending, as somebody who really likes romance movies, the ending is so beautifully done and the song Unchained Melody which is normally done by the Righteous Brothers was changed up and done orchestral and just the lighting the acting, the look on people's faces it was so beautiful it, it's, it's something that if, if, if you're watching with your loved one you would almost have to turn to them and just look at them in the eyes and share that same kind of look because it's it was so emotional. It was so powerful. It was so well done. And it felt earned from what we have seen so far. Now, I really liked this movie, as I said. I didn't think I would like it as much as I did, but I really liked it. There were some things that were confusing to me a little bit. The very beginning of the film, before we meet any of the characters, it does this kind of slow walk through this kind of dark area and you're not sure what's going on. And the music it's playing almost feels like 1970s horror music. So it kind of scared me at the start and thought, oh no, are we in for something really campy, really cheesy? But then weirdly, the music shifts and it starts to feel a little more like the movie we've all known. So it was a weird start. And it was also, f- <laughs> when I saw, and we're going to talk about the scene. Now, everybody knows the scene with the clay clay pot. It is one of the most mimic scenes in romantic movies, period. And I always find it funny because back then when they were when they would refer to uh, people ghosting, they were just reenacting this. There's a funny bit in one of the community episodes where they don't want people to ghost. And it's really funny because back then, you know, when you would refer to, hey, you know, um, ghosting somebody, it was you performing this with somebody else. You're, you're reenacting this ghosting scene, this ghost scene. Where nowadays, ghosting somebody is the complete opposite, and you're just kind of eliminating them from your life. So it's amazing. So it'd be really funny now to kind of go up to your 
go up to your loved one and, you know, say, hey, you know, let's ghost and just kind of see what happens. It's a weird kind of idea. And if you don't know the context of, of the film, your loved one or your partner would just be like, what are you talking about? But back then it might have seemed, you know, especially when it first came out, I wonder when it when this movie first came out, how many people bought one of those machines to make clay pots and just reenacted it or how many people used that how many how many people bought that and used it as kind of like an opening move when they were trying to impress somebody else especially with how big the movie is i just found it funny that that something like that could happen and one of the other things that, that confused me was just the whole rules of being a ghost because early on because early on when he's a ghost he can't interact with anything physical. And this is something you see in a lot of ghost movies as well that I've never really been able to figure out a reason why. They can't interact with anything because they're a ghost. So they can walk through walls. If they try and touch somebody, they touch, they, they go right through them. But yet they're able to walk around on the floor without falling through the floor. So if they're not able to interact with anything else, how are they standing on the floor and not falling through it? That has always been the one thing that has confused me a little bit. It's really confused me. And I haven't been able to find an answer. I would like an answer, but I'm not in a rush. So going back, Ghost great movie watch it with your loved ones and just enjoy it because it's got a lot of heart in it it's got a lot of comedy in it and i'm glad that this was the movie that was picked so thank you to the one person um who chose this one and also if you're hearing this let me know who you are because i'd love to thank you by name if i could because you picked a really good movie. I really enjoyed this movie, and I think everybody should go and, and see this. So that has been our 10th episode of Mets at the Movies. And as I said before, I'm always looking for new movies. So if anybody wants to give me anything that they think I, I will like, because what I don't want to do is I don't want this to be a review show. I know sometimes it comes off as a review show, but I don't want it to be a review show. I want it to be a discussion show. So if you have any movies that you think I'll like, let me know. And if not, I'll find another film and I will see you at the next screening.